Hello and welcome to another episode of the Playing On Podcast. My name is Carl Markowski and thank you for joining me. This episode is brought to you by Planet Eclipse, who makes the LVR and the super secret camo mat CS something. That's all I'm going to call it because that's all I know about it. But uh, I saw some pictures that they uh, they have the new marker coming out. And uh, so far, it looks like camo tape and uh, CS1 grip. So that's, uh, you know, I am in the dark as much as everybody else. Um, I wish I knew all the secrets, but I don't. I know the secret of this coffee, and it's delicious. It is, it's uh, invigorating. But, but yeah, Planet Eclipse has been a, a huge support of this podcast, and uh, I have been fortunate enough to shoot Planet Eclipse throughout my career, and, uh, and you know, I couldn't be happier with the markers that they put out, especially with the, uh, with the LV series. Uh, everyone on here has heard me, you know, babble on about the LV1. It's, don't, it's one of those things where you just don't knock it till you try it, and if you, uh, if you shot one at first and you didn't like it, I don't think you gave it a fair chance. Go back and try it again, <laughs> because uh, th- these things are nasty, and they've they've only been getting um, better and better. They they shoot so smooth. I think they're better looking. I think they, uh, you know, I-, I I like the overall feel of of the marker better. So uh, make sure you check them out. PlanetEclipse.com. Uh, they have all kinds of uh, soft gear on there as well as uh, as as well as casual apparel. So, uh, yeah, planeteclipse.com. Thank you so much for uh, sponsoring this and every podcast. All right, guys uh, and gals who listen to the podcast, uh, this one is with Marcelo. Um, I'm sure you all know him, but uh, I've had so many conversations with uh, with this guy coming up through the ranks and uh, watching him grow and, um, and become this just killer on uh, whatever team he's been on. I mean... He has that mindset of just being the best and learning at every turn that he can, and and it shows. And um, I think he's a great role model for uh, for kids growing up, for even you know adults. And everyone in the game is a true professional. And um, you know, I, I just I, I think he's an overall stand-up guy and uh, and a great friend. So, uh, without further ado, here is the podcast with Marcelo Margot. Sorry, man. No, no worries. (laughs) I hope it doesn't happen again. I don't know. It said like something, send your diagnostics, whatever. I don't know. No, it's all good. It's uh, it's probably like, why are you using Skype? Well, no, and then I get a thing in the upper right corner. Welcome to Mac OS High Sierra. Take a quick tour to see what's new. uh, How about you don't (laughs) shut me out anymore? Let's do that. That happened to me right before I was getting ready to do a podcast with, uh, with, fuck, I can't even remember, with somebody. And it had me, it just shut everything down and was like, okay, you ignored the update for so long. Now I'm just going to do it anyway. And it was like, it. it was like a half hour. And I was like, fuck. But, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so we were talking. <laughs> Sorry. No, Sorry, no, no, yeah. no worries. Uh, it's never fucking easy doing these things. Um, right. But, but, uh, but so you're at the combine and the uh, Boston, Boston paintball and the combine was actually running the winter classic this this past this year yes yes so why why still call it the nxl winter classic 
I don't know if it was called the NXL Winter Classic this year. Maybe I'm misspeaking. Maybe NXL had something to do with it because obviously I know they had Ghost Sports there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm guess maybe I'm not sure all the details, but was it called the NXL Winter Classic this year? I thought it was just the Winter Classic. Uh, uh, can you look it up for me? Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, <laughs> There's nobody here. It's gonna be me. Did they check it out? One day. One day. Yeah. Um, but but anyway, I mean, uh, I think what the question I was eventually getting to was that uh, do you see this becoming something um, where it's now multi multi clinics, you know, throughout the nation with all these pros doing this thing to where it's not just confined to, to this one time, one time a year? Well, dude, absolutely. So first of all, the combine is a little separate from what a traditional clinic is. The combine is more geared around players coming and showcasing their talent. So we set up, you know, we have a bunch of different fields with different drills and different obstacle courses or scenarios that we have them go through uh, that we grade them on. We grade them, we score them, and that's what the combine is. It's more of, uh, you know, them coming and showcasing what they're capable of, you know, trying to get themselves noticed and just kind of see where they're at, what vision they rank at, um, what the pros think they need to improve on, that kind of stuff. It's uh. It's more that than a traditional clinic where traditional clinics were, you know, teaching all of these things. We're sending them through series of drills and explaining stuff. Although still at the combine, they do get a touch of that because, you know, after every drill or or, uh, thing that they run through, we are still critiquing them. We're still adding the the value of the information, but it's not quite the same. Um, I do think absolutely we're going to see more than we had just had such a good response. dude. People loved the combine. They yeah. loved it. Like they had so much fun, and uh, everybody there. Not only were a lot of them returning from previous ones, but they were just hyped on the next one. Like, can't wait to improve. I want to bring our whole team out. All sorts of stuff. So I do think you know eventually we probably want to do. And this is obviously more of a question for the owner, but I you know we've had a had a chance to talk quite a bit now that I'm working with him with DKI and we're doing that sort of thing. I think you're going to see a lot of them, a lot of regional type ones that might even make it to where you can qualify for the main national one. Um, there's a lot of different ideas and things that we're working on that are pretty exciting. It's something that dude, paintball's never had, right? I mean, yeah. all these other sports have this. They have a, a platform for, for people, athletes, to go and showcase you know, what skills they have, what, what they got. Because, I mean, you could probably speak to this better than I can. I was super lucky growing up in paintball. You know, I, I had the pros at my field. I had Dynasty, Ironman, Infamous. Those teams are at my field, so I didn't need to travel for a clinic or wait for a clinic to come to my place. I didn't need to travel to get noticed. All I had to do was play well enough, and and they would notice me because by luck, I was in the right area. But you're someone, if correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you had to really put yourself out there and, and get yourself noticed. Like There wasn't much going on in your hometown as far as professional paintball. Yeah, well, before I get into me, but I, I kind of want to talk about a little bit how you know, how you were kind of saying about you had it a little bit better uh, because of the area, because of the, the teams. I'm, I think the opposite, to be honest. I think, because you know, how many at your age, when you first started playing out there and you saw all those pros, how many other Marcelo Margots were there? You know, you know, thinking that, you know, oh, hey, you know, I there's all these teams. I'm, I'm eventually going to get noticed. You know, how many other guys or how many other kids were thinking that? You know, back then. So you really, I think you really had to step out and work hard in an environment like that. I think it's just like the, uh, I think it's like the internet now, right? Back then when YouTube or anything else started, it was, 
I want to say fairly semi somewhat easy if you had some kind of compelling content you, you were going to get noticed but now it's so flooded with everything I feel like it's it's you have to be pretty out there to be able to get noticed so I, I think in your case I think I, I think it was a lot harder than than what you think like for me if I'm the faster out of a lot of guys playing in this area I'll get noticed a lot, you know, a lot sooner, I feel, because we're not flooded with so many players. There might not be a big pro team around, but as long as there's some kind of team that maybe plays national events, I might be noticed at that, which was what happened. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, all we had was Tipman Effect. If we went north, there right. was, like, Detroit Thunder. Uh, if you went east, maybe there was All-Americans. Um, I never really followed too much of uh, Aftershock or even went to Badlands. Because uh, for me at the time, it was just kind of too far away. And I didn't know enough uh, about all the pro teams and about the sport in general. So, I mean, it was – I think it came comes down to this, you know, the, the right people worked the right amount of effort and level to get where they at now, no matter where they came from. 100%. 100%. I mean, uh, I, I see what you're saying there. I totally do. And I guess usually, you know, when people have opinions, the answer – can sometimes almost always be right in the middle. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, we're coming from yeah, two different right. areas I, too, so there's two different yeah, opinions. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, it was just it was it was it was cool because being able to see these pros at the field every single weekend. Oh God, I'm I'm just blowing this whole podcast. I got to put my Apple Watch on uh, mute mode. So start talking to me. Technology, <laughs> man. Technology. But technology. It's crazy. Yeah, I'm trying to catch up with it all. Jeez. Um, but yeah, no, like I was saying, dude, it was just for me being able to see these pros at the field every weekend, you know, it's, you get to learn from them a lot quicker. You know yeah. what I mean? You get to, you get to elevate your game a lot faster. And then, you know, I, I do see what you're saying as, as maybe there's a larger pool of players that are also doing the same thing, which you were right. There was a lot of kids that, that probably a lot more kids than maybe in your area that had that dream because it was so attainable. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, very valid point. And you had to put sure. yourself in that position. Right. You you had to want it enough to put yourself in that position to when, you know, when, you know, I don't know how it was, but this is just kind of how I did it when I could was when the five guys lined up the start box, you were standing right behind it, listening to what they were saying, uh, you know, trying to figure trying to figure it all out without saying anything because you don't want to be that guy yet, you know, until that right moment. So, you know, Uh Dude, I mean, I, I guess I'm still pretty annoying now, but I was definitely the annoying <laughs> little kid that was just always like I was, you know, 11, 12 years old. If I saw a pro at the field, I would go up to him. Hey, can we can we play? Can can you teach me some stuff? Can I show you some things like I uh, was constantly just there bugging them. Like I, I realize now that I was probably I was probably bugging them, but I was just so curious and so fascinated by what they were doing. And I love paintball from from the first time I played. I mean, I started playing with my dad. My older brother got involved as well, and they were both, you know, better than me. I was, I was nine, ten years old when we started, so the competitive side of me always really just wanted to be better than them and, and better than the people at my field. You know, that yeah. was the competition, and so people always ask, like, why did you want to become a pro player? And it's, it's not really how it how it went. I actually was just a competitor first, and I just wanted to be the best one at my field and with my friends. Like, I wanted. When I went out every Saturday for fun, I wanted to be the best one, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's how it just kind of evolved and, you know, grew from there, I guess. Now, but I mean, was there a point when uh, when you were like, man, I could be good enough 
to go pro or was it kind of one of those things where it was like my, you know, I'm at the level now where I, I want to go pro. That is my next goal. Yeah, I think it was probably, um, you know, one of the first pros that I met was Davey Williamson at the field. Uh, and I was really close with the Ironman guys and they would always kind of take me under their wing, Billy wing, even kind of take me under their wing, Billy wing. <laughs> <laughs> was, how was Davey? But, uh, how was Davey back then? Honestly, he was awesome to me. Yeah. You know, he was, he was really cool. He was super welcoming. I, I was like his, his guy. Actually, I have it, an old 2001 Ironman jersey that they won World Cup in. Mm. I think it was 2000, 2001, maybe 2002. I forget the year. But uh, I remember he gave that to me, and it's like one of my favorite jerseys to this day. Um, That's awesome. And, yeah, no, he was always super cool. He was, he was one of the first to really, you know, uh, I don't know, I guess let me peek into that side of, side of, side of uh, professional paintball. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when it really started though, was probably when Mike Hinman called me, called my house. I was, uh, 13 years old and I had known Mike Hinman. I, I, I knew about him. He was playing for dynasty, um, him and Mike Coda, me, Mike, you remember him? Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Um, and all those guys, they would always go out on Wednesdays at this place called adrenaline paintball about an hour and a half from my house. Um, and play Wednesday nights. This field was awful. It was like literally rocks this size. I mean, <laughs> big, not pebbles. These are like small rocks. Yeah, you know, small boulders. Yeah, small boulders. Um, you know, really poor lighting and a really small air ball field. But a lot of the guys would go and play on Wednesdays. And so I would go every Wednesday night and get beat up. Just, just totally get beat up. Um, but I was down to play every game. And so I guess that impressed Mike. You know, he, he for some reason – um, saw the work saw ethic. that maybe there was some talent or the work ethic. Yeah, I'm not really sure, but I do know that he found my phone number. And to this day, I'm curious as to founding <laughs> how we found my is it the house phone. It wasn't even, we didn't have cell phones. I didn't have a cell phone. Back well, then. I'll ask Mike because I'm so, going to have him on the podcast soon. So I'll ask him. Awesome. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, write that okay. down. <laughs> curious to know. Um, <laughs> he called my house and I remember my dad answered or, or maybe it was my stepmom and she gave him a phone to my dad. I don't know. But, uh, they came to me and they said, Mike Hinman's on the phone for you. And I remember at first being like, what, what, why does he want to talk to me? Like, what did I do? You know? Cause yeah. I mean, Mike Hinman's a tough guy at paintball, especially back then. Um, and so I remember getting on the phone with him and he was telling me that he was putting together this team, San Diego aftermath. They were going to play division three and he let me know the opportunities that were going to be possible as far as playing. It was a completely free ride. You know, everything was taken care of flights, paint, practice, you name it. And, uh, the silliest thing about that is at the time I was the captain of the first paintball team that I started called the Die Kids. Um, we were very successful. We won all of our beginner tournaments. We moved up a division. And I mean, I, I, I had a goal of bringing them pro one day or something like that, or at least like getting up to the high divisions, you know? And so I actually debated this idea, which looking back on it now is hilarious that it was, it was something that I even debated. Yeah. Um, but after about a day or two, I said, you know what? I, I have to take this opportunity. This is what I need to do. So called him back and told him I was on board. And, uh, that's when he let me know that it actually wasn't confirmed and I had to try out. So, <laughs> okay, perfect. Welcome. So yeah, welcome. So I remember, uh, me and my buddy, we went and tried out for the team. I had probably the worst paintball day of my career up to that point. No joke. We, we, we were trying out, but we were scrimmaging against the Ironman. Yeah, which, nice. <laughs> which, yeah, I mean, no easy feat. This was in 2005, too. So, um, you know, they were going through a little bit of a rebuild at the time. But 
I had a horrible showing at the trial. I, I remember leaving thinking, dude, I, I didn't make it. Like, I'm for sure not going to make this team. This is a huge bummer. Mike called and let me know that, you know, I was still going to make the team. Let me know that I had a bad weekend. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he he's honest. Talent. So, yeah, uh, Mike's always honest. You're not going to get anything from that guy. Anything that he believes you're going to know for sure. I've always appreciated that about him. So, um Anyway, he gave me an opportunity to play with Aftermath, and I think it was as soon as we started that program, because that program was a professional program. You know, mm-hmm. we weren't pro players, but we we were treated like pros, we acted like pros, we were expected to show up and perform like pros. No yeah. joke. So, I think that was when I really saw, hey, this is something I want to do. You know, we were practicing against Dynasty every weekend. This is, you know, Dynasty was winning every tournament back in <laughs> in 2005. You know, yeah. they were just killing the kings. Um, and I think that was really when the switch turned and I said, you know, I want to go all in on this. This is a hundred percent what I want to do. I'm, I'm addicted. I'm hooked. And there's nothing else that I want to do. Whether, whether I making my career choice back then, you know, as you know, professional paintball isn't very lucrative unless you hustle in many different ways or, you know, there are a few select few that, that get nice paychecks as salary for playing. But, um, you know, I knew that at the time I just knew that whether I wanted to go work for a company within the industry and do graphic design, I remember that was like one of the first things I wanted to do, um, or sales or something, whatever it was, I was going to play pro paintball and make it work somehow. That's all I knew. Yeah. I definitely made that decision around 13 years old. Well, were you, I mean, were you playing basketball, like heavy into basketball this time too? No, dude, basketball is such a new, newfound hobby for me. I've only been playing basketball for like maybe six years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basketball is way later in in my life. Oh so, my gosh, when I started basketball, I was horrible. <laughs> so, <laughs> so where does the competitive nature come from? I mean, it, is it from any other sport back then, or what were you doing as a child that kind of turned you into this competitive monster? Um. Okay, this is this is a good question. I like this one because it's something I, I preach often. But um, when I was four years old, I I started taekwondo. Nice. So taekwondo was my addiction i was obsessed with taekwondo um i i would go monday through friday every single day um then saturdays would usually be competitions and stuff Mm -hmm. and uh my dad ended up buying a studio because i was so hooked on it my dad ended up uh partnering up with somebody else they got a studio and the grandmaster lived with us for like four years so i would i would get home from school whatever it was, and I would literally uh, train at home. Then we would go to the studio. I'd train for three hours. I'd go through like separate classes because they would usually be our classes. I would stay for all three of them, and then I'd go home and I would still train. Yeah. Uh, taekwondo was I was I was hooked. I mean, you know, you you're in mixed martial arts yourself. I think. Um, Just started. I, well, I, when I was young, I was in it for a little bit, and then we moved, and I got away from it. And I just took the oh, opportunity cool. recently to get into jujitsu, and I'm I'm all in, man. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I love it. For me, I think it's it, it was the best thing to happen to me because um, Taekwondo really instilled a lot of discipline, you know? Yeah. Um, the culture behind that martial art is very disciplined. It's very respectful. And so it, it in my opinion, made me a very disciplined and respectful person. I think I took some, some serious uh, core fundamentals from Taekwondo that I apply to my everyday life. Like I always tell people one day, if, and when I have kids, they're for sure going to be in Taekwondo or some other form of, of martial arts, not the 
the typical UFC type stuff. I, in my opinion, there's a big difference between that and say jujitsu or mm-hmm. taekwondo, karate, that kind of thing. You know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so I was working my way up through the ranks, and actually, when I when I finally got my brown belt, that was when my dad ended up uh, partnering up and trying to get a studio. We got a studio, and the grandmaster uh, had already been living with us for a little bit straight from Korea. This guy was no joke, dude. Um, if I would, if I'd come home from school, if I'd have any sort of like argument with my parents or talk back, we'd say, Marcelo son upstairs. <laughs> and I mean, I'm probably butchering, accent, but no joke. I'd, I'd, oh man, I know what's coming. So I'd go upstairs and he would have those, the, I wish we got they're called the, the bamboo sticks that you spar with. Oh yeah. The yeah. Big, I know what you're talking about. That you, yeah. Yeah. Um, he would make me hold my hands out, both of them, and he would whack me in the hands like as hard as he could with them. And the thing was, is if I if I moved my hands or screamed or anything, I would get it again. Yeah. My parents were okay with this, you know. <laughs> Even mine, my dad is a 78 year old Italian from you know New York. Yeah, tough guy. Uh, the stories he tells me of of his father is just a different time, different era, you know. And and it was that's how kids were raised. Absolutely, so that's how I was. You know, that's how I was raised with that type of discipline. Um, and the grandmaster, he—it's uh, respect. His name too. is Master Yoon. Hundred percent respect. But you know, I, I've always been appreciative of that because I, I feel like that foundation growing up really set the tone for how I approach everything in my life now. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was when I was eight, like I said, is when I was a brown belt. I was training again. I mean, I, I want to say six or seven days a week. I was doing stuff for Taekwondo. I was just so hooked on it. If I oh, yeah. if I wasn't doing other stuff that I had to do. I was doing stuff for Taekwondo because I was just technique and form were extremely important to me, which is kind of funny because now in paintball technique and form are like two of the most, um, obviously they're important, but, but, but yeah, they're definitely the important base fundamentals, but I, I kind of think it's, it's maybe what I've built my game off of too, you know, gunfighting, yeah. running it like that kind of accuracy, fundamental type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, maybe somewhere, some underlying way there's a connection there. Um, but that definitely was the first, you know, I, I ended up getting my black belt when I was nine years old. I had my second degree black belt by the time I was 10. I won uh, two state championships in, in Taekwondo uh, black belt competition. Um, and then I ended up uh, retiring from Taekwondo, retiring, I guess. I just, uh, you know, my parents ended up splitting up and it wasn't as easy for me to, to go to class and stuff like that. So yeah. I stopped playing Taekwondo. Um, and that was actually when I found paintball. Was you know uh, about a year after after my parents had split up, I was living with my mom and my older cousin. I remember I, was, I don't even want to tell this story, but I'm going to. My older <laughs> cousin had a paintball gun, and he would go around graffitiing signs. Yeah, he'd just go around shooting. Signs everybody, everybody knows listening, somebody. Listening, yeah. please don't do that. We hate it. We really don't like it. But uh, yeah, that's what he did. I didn't even know it was a game, and. Um, I just knew he was my older cousin. He was cool and he was doing cool stuff. So I wanted a paintball gun yep. so I could go shoot signs. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> That's what I wanted. Parents wouldn't let me get it. Um, wouldn't let me get it. I probably had a six-month debate so I was trying to get a paintball gun. I thought they looked super cool. We'd always go to Walmart and remember like the Stingray, Stingrays, the Talons, all those plastic guns. I thought they were Weird sweet. looking, yeah. See little baby CO2 cartridges. <laughs> yep. Like, you know, the OG guns. Um, and I remember – the first time I, I finally got a paintball gun, my mom was actually dropping me off at my dad's house when we stopped at Walmart before that. And uh, I went down the paintball section while she was doing her shopping and I brought this paintball gun back out, $25 Stingray gun. And uh, you know I had to be home and back and I'm like, hey, mom, 
I want to get something, please. And I show it to her and she's like, no way. Your dad's going to kill me. I can't get that for you. And this is probably the first business deal I ever made in my life. I, uh, <laughs> I remember promising to uh, – I, I had problems with a lot of her, her boyfriends and guys she was dating. We didn't get along. I, I, uh-huh. was, a, I was a little brat. I'm not going to lie. But she oh, also yeah. had some questionable selections. Some questionable selections. Excuse me. Um, and I remember making a deal with her. This is what got me a paintball gun. As I said, Mom, I will get along with your boyfriend for three months if you get me this paintball gun. <laughs> and she agreed. So she got me the paintball gun. I brought it home to my dad. He got so mad when I walked through the door. I, again, I had it behind my back. And I said, Dad, I got something. I want to show it to you. What'd you get? You know. And I show it mm-hmm. to him. He rips it out of my hand, sends me to my room. So mad at me. And I remember just sitting there. I'm like, oh, great. Well, that wasn't very long lived I'm, I'm tell us that's it about about like 30 minutes later he comes in he's like hey come out here let's uh let's go out to the backyard so i go out to the backyard he has the gun completely open taking out all the parts are ready it's put together and he's like hey let's shoot this thing and so you know we pick it up and i remember this is this is how little we knew mm-hmm. uh we were shooting at trees in our in our backyard and uh we were worried that the paintball was going to ricochet off a tree and hit us <laughs> in the face <laughs> Which, for those of you, if you're listening and you don't really know paintball, a paintball is not going to ricochet off a tree. Hey, man, depending and, on what kind of paint you pick up, if it's $2 I Walmart paint. <laughs> I don't think it can. I think no matter what, if you shoot a paintball at a tree, it's going to break. I don't know. I'm pretty certain. But, yeah, I guess uh, I guess nothing's ever quite 100%. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we're shooting it back there, and, dude, we just had a blast. So then my dad tells me, hey, uh, while you're in your room, I looked it up. Did you know it's like it's an actual game? You can go and play this. I said, no, I have no idea. Uh, so he says, well, do you want to go this weekend? We could go on Saturday. Said, yeah, for sure. Let's mm-hmm. go. So we went out to the field on Saturday. Um, I had to rent all the equipment, the goggles and all that. All I had was the gun. And it's funny because my dad didn't play. He, he just wanted to go and watch me. At the time, you know, my dad was like 62 or something like that. Um, so anyway, I'm playing and uh, playing my first game ever in the woods at Borderland Paintballs. It was that was actually a famous uh, paintball park that I did that the NDPLs used to go to. Hmm. Um, but uh, I was playing my first game and I guess my dad, this is how he'll tell the story at least, he's watching from the sidelines and he got shot and he goes, "Oh my God, this hurts." <laughs> he's like, "I can't let my son be out there by himself. I have to. Pr- I, I got to protect him." This is yeah. how he tells me. So he went and rented equipment. And then play the rest of the day with me. That's awesome. And he was my back player, you know. And uh, from that day forward, we were completely hooked. We we did not miss a single weekend for as long as I can remember. I don't I don't think we ever missed a weekend yeah. from that day forward. Every single Saturday. And then as we got a little more advanced, and we started to uh, meet some of the better players. We started turning Saturdays into Sundays. We would go Sunday because apparently that was when the the good players or the pro players would go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, dude, that's how it started. It started as a fun hobby with me and my dad, a, a great bonding experience. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, totally, dude. Yeah, that's, I mean, you can't, and you can't get those times back, you know, and you, you're so fortunate be, to be able to have those kind of stories with your father. Cause, you know, I know uh, my real dad back then wasn't around. And when I was getting into paintball, <clears throat> excuse me, that was, that was kind of taken away from, my sports of what I was good at in in high school and at first my parents were they were kind of like 
you know, what is this? I mean, this is taking out a lot of time and and your focus away from things that you are good at. You you have the potential of of making something. And uh, I, I think it's just like in all of us, you know, that first time where we where we got shot or the first time we shot somebody or even when we didn't. And we just had that adrenaline rush of not knowing what's going to happen. And um, I just got hooked from there. And I, I don't know. I don't know why, because I love playing baseball. Um, I, I didn't mind football too much, but there are just a lot bigger guys out there that just want to smash my head in. And it wasn't like, yeah, I could just run faster yeah. than everybody else. So I just, I always pictured it like that. Like just, <laughs> just run away from all the big guys. But, um, but I love baseball. I mean, I almost, I almost went to college playing, uh, playing ball, but there was something about paintball that I just couldn't shake. Um, that just it just kind of dug in deeper than what baseball and and anything I did, and I did a lot of shit. I'm one of those people where uh, if I haven't tried it, I want to, um, because you know just like the same fucking cliche of everything is you know you know you only live once and you know you're only young once and this and that. It's like, but life is life is long if you let it be. I mean, life is short if you let it be, and um, unless you take action and and you make your life worth living then it's going to pass you by. But it, but if you take advantage of everything that is possible in this thing we call life, then, you know, you'll experience so much and gain so much knowledge. And I, I've realized now that I'm older, too, that uh, knowledge is so much more uh, of, you know, uh, I, what, what word am I looking for? It, it's so much more uh, to your advantage than any kind of physical skill or anything. I mean, the more you know, it's just, it's ridiculous. And and the more I've been doing this and talking with people and getting to know people and kind of getting inside people's heads and how they think, it just has opened up my world on, on what I want to try and do. It's just like the Joe Rogan podcast. That's, that's I, I had an inkling that I kind of want to get back to martial arts, but when I heard it um, on his podcast and other people doing it and contacting me about it, and uh, I was I was all in. I, I mean, I just got hooked all over again. It's just, I, I love, I love doing so many things and I feel like everybody needs to uh, not necessarily find something that they love, but just be open to, 100%. to, to things. 100%. Um, I, yeah, sorry. I, I don't know if you noticed it kind of cut out for a second, but I got you back right away. I, yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's all right. It's real life, man. This is real life. It's real life. This is how it goes. Exactly. You got to get around the obstacles. You know what I mean? Obstacles the way. Or through them. Yeah. Obstacles. I saw you posted that today. I like that. Have you read that book? I like that. Um, No, I don't think so. What book's that from? It is. uh, It's actually the name of the book. It's the title. It's it's the the obstacles away by uh, Ryan Holiday. I have not read it. It's a good read. It's an absolutely good read. I'm interested. I uh, I got a confession. I I actually I read. Quite a bit, a decent amount, but I have trouble finishing books. Mm-hmm. I've only finished a couple books. I'll read quite a few, but I get to a point in the book that I feel like the message is redundant, and I feel like I've learned what I came there to learn, right. and I kind of move on. And I, I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Well, it can't be a good thing, but I guess I just don't know if it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, I uh, yeah, I do that a lot with books. Um, once I feel like I get the message, I'm, I'm kind of. Okay, let's move on and try to you know learn something else a little bit. But uh, yeah. the obstacle is the way. I'll yeah. definitely check it out. So I have a suge- sure. I have a suggestion. Audiobook. Try it. Try listening to it on an audiobook. I think because you listen to podcasts, it might be a little easier 
because mm-hmm. you just you just flip it on and um yeah. you kind of just go along with it at least that's how I because yeah. I, I read it halfway through and then the rest of the way I I listened to it but um but yeah it's a good read it's it's not crazy long but it's it you know it'll grab your attention for sure okay yeah man check it out so uh let's talk about this uh this BKI thing yeah so, that's for sure so it originated as uh what Grayson's you know Grayson's kind of baby and you know pretty much teaching you know on uh, on his style of play and how he would like to I guess really online clinic um but uh, but what is this growing into and and what is the direction of BKI so for me for the last oh at least 5 years I mean I've even dabbled with a few different um partners on on different online teaching type type of things um, because it's something that I've wanted to do for as long as I've been teaching, you know, uh, the unfortunate fact is I only have 52 weekends in a year and mm-hmm. 15 of them at least are taken up with the NXL and practices. And then we have other, you know, tournaments like the European league and this and that. So it leaves us very limited to how many people we could actually reach out to. Right. So doing something online that is a quality product is something I've wanted to do for a long time, but there just hasn't been the platform available I'm not you know uh, intelligent in that field of things I can yeah. bring in the content but I've never really known how to structure the back end of stuff um, so you know Grayson had set up a, a beautiful platform great idea started to really get things rolling and um, I think how long were they doing it for a year maybe a year and a half two years tops I, I think so maybe two maybe years? maybe two or three Dude, maybe yeah, maybe I'm off. Time, yeah, you said life could go uh, go slower, fast. <laughs> I feel like it's going fast. Uh, yeah, I hear you. Uh, yeah, but you know, sometimes it goes slow. But uh, okay, yeah, three years even. Um, and I, I thought he did a great job. He he really did. Um, him and Scott have a ton of videos. He got over 400 videos on there. Um, but the new incarnation of it is uh, Anthony from Boston Paintball. He's the guy that runs the combine. Um, he owns Boston Paintball out in. Boston, obviously, mm-hmm. and uh, dude, the guy is just a total pioneer. Like he, he has a passion for paintball. They've been open and doing his own thing since 1992, so he's been in the game wow. for a really long time. Yeah, he's not new. He's not someone that's just coming in looking to make a quick buck, which is something that I'm really uh, hesitant on when I work with new people. Is I need to believe in the whole thing. I need to believe in in all of the content. I need to believe in the, the structure. I need to believe in the process. I need to believe in all of it. Otherwise I'm not a part of it. Right. And if I'm completely honest, that was why I didn't do much with BKI in the past is because I felt it was a little too much for, for Grayson to handle everything that they had and did was as much as they could do with the, with the, the stuff that they were given. You know what I mean? With the opportunities right. that they had, they did as much as they could. But for me, I, I just, it wasn't quite what I envisioned. It was close, but not quite there. And when Anthony took it over, um, and Rusty Glaze being involved, redoing the website, making everything a lot cleaner, a lot more digestible, mm-hmm. I was all in. You know, because it's exactly what I have wanted to do for a long time. Um, we have an awesome team. Grayson is still involved, which Grayson adds a ton of value. Uh, Scott with his fitness is still involved. Obviously, adds a ton of value there. And we have some awesome uh, other people on board. We got uh, Nick Sloviak, Nick Laval. Ryan Greenspan, obviously, dude needs no introduction. He's been teaching the game for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Greg Supers. Um, the the crew, the team that we have is is just extremely powerful. Um, it's each person adds their own 
you know, specialty that I think is, is really beneficial to anyone who wants to learn any sort of paintball tips, tricks, drills, skills, whatever it's you want to call it. very diverse, yeah. Very diverse. Um, and, you know, we're also going to have a bunch of guest people in that, you know, have videos on their own thing. Like right now we're working with some of the impact players on doing a, a snake series, you know, uh, how to make an impact in the snake. Cheesy, I know, but, <laughs> but, um, but dude, uh, basically it's an online subscription based program that you can sign up for and you can go through course by course and you can really learn the intricacies of this game. Because as you know, um, and you asked me earlier of like other sports and you asked me about basketball actually and how long I've been playing. The main reason I started playing basketball is because I would go out with some of my best friends and dude, I couldn't dribble the ball. This was, this was six years ago. I couldn't dribble the ball. I, I couldn't dribble the ball when I shot. They would make fun of me because it would literally go over the backboard. That's no joke. And so I knew what it, I know what it takes to get good at something, just like you do. We understand the process involved in getting good at something. So yeah. I wanted to challenge myself. And actually my best friend, Gino, uh, been best friends since like fifth grade, one of my strongest influences actually uh, in life, and not many people know him obviously because he's not involved with paintball, but um, – kids like good at everything just naturally you know mm-hmm. uh and so anyway basketball he's, he's really good at and i remember six years ago i told him like okay dude you know what i'm having fun playing this game i'm horrible but i'm i'm gonna be better than you and so i'm <laughs> gonna start actually practicing and I'm, I'm i watch videos i take some classes on dribbling and shooting and i'm in the gym all the time like yeah. treating it as if i someday want to go pro or something which <laughs> obviously isn't gonna happen but just for fun and so to see that that progression in in the game is is awesome because it's the same thing in any other sport it's always the little details mm-hmm. um, whether you're a businessman an athlete an artist your relationship an artist yeah it's the little details that make the big picture and when you understand that you can really dissect almost anything and get good at it but at bki that's what we want to do that's that's our goal is we want to be able to teach the players every little part of the game so there's Right now, again, there's already around 400 videos on there. We're going to be continuously bringing out content of, you know, how to snap shoot. And we're going to do very simple drills leading all the way up to very advanced drills. Run and shoot. Break down two on three situations. Five on five situations. How to dissect certain field layouts. I mean, honestly, anything you can think of to make you a better player, Mm -hmm. we plan on bringing on there for our members. Um, Down the road, I know we we have vision of even offering a bigger opportunity for people to connect with the pro- professors if you will yeah um the teachers the instructors I see what you did there on a on a yeah <laughs> on a on a wait i think it's somewhere i think it's somewhere on my, on my back where is it at? it's it's back oh there, there it is it's back there boom yeah professor nice <laughs> for those of you just listening and not watching the the video uh i'm wearing a nice little bki shirt and it's got the professors on the back mm. but uh yeah, uh yeah but uh anyways our goal is to eventually even offer you know, personalized training where you can, um, you know, for an additional cost, you can connect with one of the professors and have your own program put together that's very specific to you and your team, however it works. So mm-hmm. the thing that I'm excited about is honestly the opportunities are very endless with BKI. It's the first, um, uh, maybe it's not the first, I know they had that Project K over in Europe somewhere, but it's definitely the first uh, online program with with this qualified of professionals with yeah, to the scale teach. yeah yeah the scale so um i'm excited about it i'm pumped i mean if you guys have been watching my social media lately i'm pushing it a lot because it's something i really believe in and i think it'll really benefit a lot of the players i think it's a an awesome opportunity to connect with 
many more players than I ever could before. I mean, dude, to be completely honest, like, yeah, we teach clinics because it's part of our job and you got to make money. And I go to fields and I teach clinics to get paid, mm-hmm. of course. But got to make money, dude. It is such a got to make money. Yeah, hundred percent. But there's also just as much of me that loves the genuine feeling of having a kid come up to you at the end of the day and say, man, I am so excited about everything I learned today. Thank you. I cannot wait to apply this, this and that. And then them go and apply it. And a few months later, they hit you up with, dude, we just won our first tournament. Yeah. I can't believe it. It's, it's all thanks to, you know, that clinic or your book or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, that feeling is so special, dude, because you feel like, you feel like you've, connected with somebody through a journey that you understand like I understand and I remember every single person along the way that helped me become the player I am today I remember them like we started this conversation out with me telling you about Davey Williamson so it's a chance for me to make that connection with thousands of more people than I ever could before oh yeah so for me dude that's like it's the ultimate and then what's really cool is you create the connection with them through paintball but these kids, these men, these women, they, they end up actually looking at you as more of a, a role model than just a paintball player. So you get to also change their lives on how they approach life, how they, how they do their day to day. You know, yeah. you get to change more than just their paintball skills. You get to have a, a real impact on, I don't know, possibly their, their health, their happiness and things like that. And that's, I mean, to me, that's a re- irreplaceable. That's my ultimate form of success is how much have you helped other people? How much is what you do something you truly care about and what kind of impact have you left on the people around you that's like dude that's the ultimate form right i mean money is great need money and hopefully money comes with it which usually will but if that's the goal then but the product has to be good of course of course the product has to be good 100 percent. and again that's why you know i'm very selective with who i do work with and who who I'm interested in in teaching with or relaying because you're right, yeah, the product has to be has to be great. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, are there going to be uh, are you going to be inviting pros to to upload content or or you know uh, push content your way or is it going to be a select group? Because uh, I know you said a couple impact guys, but is it going to kind of be well if you know uh, this guy from the Outlaws wants to do a running and shooting video and and, and send it your way? Are you guys going to use stuff like that, or are you going to kind of keep it, you know? T- t- we will be here? very selective. So we'll have our seven professors that will be on there full time, mm-hmm. um, but then we will we will have uh, specially selected guests. So that g- might guest fessers. Series of something. Yes, guest fessers. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like that, guest fessers. Guest fessers. Excuse me. Well, cool. Yeah, yeah so. I mean that's going to be. I, I think it's going to be uh, very popular. I think. I think we. We need something like that. I mean, very uh, community based, where you know everybody can relate to. Because the, like we said before too, the uh, the professors are very diverse in their skills and abilities. So you know, I think it's it's diverse enough to where a player can come up and go, oh, okay, I play more like him, or I like the way he plays, so I, I want to play more like him. Or um, yeah, I would love to see what what I would love to see within the next. I wish it would be next year, but I don't think it's going to happen. But I want to say within the next three to five years, I want to fe- I want to see the, the first competitive woman professional paintball player on the field. Yeah, that would be a cool thing to see. You know what's great, though, dude, is I've seen more women uh, at either my clinics or international events in the last 
three or four years than ever before. So they're they're coming. They're making their way for sure. And I've actually seen some that are very talented. Really good shots, not afraid. Yeah. Um, I actually had this girl, shoot, I wish I remember her name. It was about two years ago down in Peru, and she was like 12 years old. This girl was fearless. She was one of the better ones there. And obviously the, the scale kind of tilts a little bit because of her age and stuff. She was so young, but she was fearless. She was running down, bunkering people, mm-hmm. never afraid to make the move. She was always up in the 40 and 50 yard line bunkers. And um, I'm seeing more of that in the past couple years than I ever have before. So I think, you know, they're out there, they're getting excited about it and they're, they're trying to make their way. And who knows, dude, we, we very well could see a female professional in, in the pro league. That would be pretty cool for sure. I think so too. I think I think paintball is a great platform where it could kind of, you know, everything not necessarily equal, but I think paintball in its most primitive general form is an opportunity for, you know, females and males to be on the same level. Um I hear you. Yeah. I I do I do however think that we might be going in a direction the way the sport has evolved where Eventually, we might need male and female leagues, just like you do in almost any other sport. But we need more. We need more women playing, you know. Absolutely. And that's a huge market that I would love for us to have. And uh, for a long time, I think you know, paintball is a scary sport. I was scared when mm-hmm. I was younger, you know. Um, and when I speak to girls about it, you know, they're like, oh, "I don't want to get shot. I don't want to bruise on my neck." You know, not all of them, of course. There's some girls out there that'll <laughs> kick your butt. You know Same. what I mean? Um, <laughs> But what I'm saying is like, yeah, they, they're realizing now that, hey, I can go out there and I can – it's not a physical sport like football. So their size, mm-hmm. their, none of that matters. It's a mental sport. Yeah. So they can, they can compete on the same level you know, easily. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, girls, let's get out there and play. Let's play some paintball. <laughs> do, <you remember, laughs> uh, do you remember Colton from down here in, uh, in Columbus? Dude, do I remember Colton? Come on, that's my guy. Dude, that's kid's my guy. A monster, right dude. He's a monster. Yeah. Fearless. Love him to death. Yeah, I speak. I speak with his mom uh, quite often, actually, through Facebook. She always updates me on what he's doing and all of this stuff. Does, her da- I, yeah, does his dad great. know that you're talking <laughs> to his mom? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Shh, we gotta rewind. He does now. <laughs> yeah, of course he does. <laughs> no, but that, yeah, dude, that awesome. kid is just like off the wall. Like it, it was like, I forget when I went down there and, and met him and played with him, but it was like, I don't know. He'd been playing for two years and this kid is running to like the 30 or 40 Dorito and just like snap shooting and basic fundamentals are down. And I'm like, dude, this kid, yeah, I think he's 11 years old. Dude, yeah. Yeah. 11 years old. And, yeah, and he's just, insane. it's crazy. Insane. He, maybe 12. I don't know. He's somewhere in there. Again, time dilation really happens, but yeah, no, the kid's so young. I, I remember actually the first clinic I did for him out at that at Level Up, um, which I'll be back there later this year. Uh, shout out to Dave Pando and his I will go this company. year. Yeah, dude, come this time. I will been, go this exactly, year. Exactly. You've been every year like, oh yeah, I'm gonna stop by, and then you know you just you don't stop by. You're family. Too cool dude. for us. Family. Huh? Family. Too cool. <laughs> okay. Pull the family card. All you right. Win. I will All be right. here. All right. I will be there this year. But, virtual handshake. Perfect. All right. Holding you to it. Virtual. Boom. There you go. There it is. It's real. All right. Um, but dude, I remember the first clinic or the first time I met him, uh, at lunch, his dad pulls us over and he's like, Hey, you want some, we got some deer jerky and stuff like that, that Colton shot and killed himself on his first hunting trip. I'm like, what? This kid's just a young savage. He's uh, he's, he's, so the thing with him is, uh, you know, cause he's so young. It's if he will stay interested or not. 
Right. And I tell that to a lot of people at, at clinics, you know, when there's when there's that one or two special players, which there there are often, it becomes a thing of are they going to stay interested? If that kid Colton stays interested, he will absolutely be professional um, and hopefully on my team, hopefully on Dynasty. Uh, <laughs> I would love to I'm, – I'm throwing it out there for everybody to hear. <laughs> I'll be long but, uh, gone by the time he's just, up and or, – or, yeah, you never know. Oh, Maybe he'll be up there on, next dude. year. Yeah, you say you'll be long gone. We'll see. You got I'm, years in you, dude. I'm getting old, man. I got. I'm getting old. Now. I'm uh, uh. Let's see if I can remember. Twenty nine. No, I'm thirty two. Thirty two. Thirty two. You run a lot younger than that. <laughs> <laughs> so, are they doing that whole race thing in Las Vegas? That there's. I don't know, but uh, I don't think anybody wants to challenge Mouse, especially if they're putting their own money up for it. Sorry, dude. I don't know what to tell you, but uh, I think he's got you beat. <laughs> Dude, honestly, honestly, I could give two shits because it, it doesn't it doesn't matter to me. Like I and the and the thing I was thinking and about. And you don't it, train for it. Well, no, like now that I'm uh, now that I'm doing jujitsu, like I'm actually I'm getting conditioning, and I've been doing I've been doing some stuff at home, but I'm not like it's not my full time job. Like it, it's not right, you know right, full right, attention, right, but right. Uh, but well, no, I don't train for it. I think I can run step for step. He might he might have me. Um, but now you uh, guys are you guys are step step. But the thing is, it doesn't like it's not what matters to me. I I honestly don't like doing it. It's not the fact that I think I'm faster than people and I don't have to race. I just don't like fucking racing. It makes me feel like how I did back in football when I had to run faster than everybody else because everybody's trying to tackle me. I just don't like. I don't know. I just don't like racing. It's just not my thing. It's a great skill to have in paintball, though. Oh yeah. time people people they, they say you know you don't necessarily need speed it's a game about you know it's a mental game which it is but yeah to be able to close the gaps the way you or mouse can it's insane like that's that's why you make some of the most dynamic moves in the game like you're fun to watch i've, I've always enjoyed watching you play mouse is the same thing you. you guys see a move and for me i have to see a bigger window than you guys can see you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> i need to see a little bit bigger of a window so I have less opportunities to make certain moves because I'm a little slower. Yeah. Uh, but you guys, you see, you see a move. You don't need a big window, and boom! All of a sudden, you're you're on the other team's side of the field, and that's um, to me. I think that's a sport. There, the direction that the sport will obviously eventually go in. I think we've just done nothing but get more and more athletic over the years, and we're probably the most athletic. Not probably. We are definitely the most athletic pro division that there's ever been. I agree. Uh, with that. And you guys are leading the way with that, which is awesome. You know, I'm I'm in the gym all the time. I just uh, I don't have that natural speed, unfortunately. I mean, I'm I'm okay. I'm decently fast. I could get where I need to go, but I wish I had the speed you guys have. But I think it's just like anything else, right? So I, I think you guys are way above and beyond my skill set. As far you know, I have I have speed, but as far as just roundabout talent, you guys I feel like outweigh me by a ton. But I, but I feel like what. You guys do. I wouldn't say a ton, but. <laughs> but, well, I, you know, like there are parts of my game that have gaps, right? Which all of us would say we have. Um, but, I mean, it comes to show. I mean, you guys are, uh, as players, um, very successful. Uh, I don't, I don't want to say I'm unsuccessful. I just haven't been able to find not necessarily the right team or the right group of guys. I just haven't been able to find maybe my own stride and help a team win. It's just it's just kind of a different kind of a different way that I guess I've gone about my game. And I think a lot now it's almost frowned upon the way I play because it's not as methodical 
as other people think. You know, I, I might make moves where people are like, what the fuck are you doing? When it's like, when I see something, I see something. It's not just a blind move, you know? Right. So, and I think a lot of the game now, and I think why it's kind of slowed down, even though we were talking about speed, I think it's slowed down because a lot, a lot uh, less, uh, what do I want to, what do I, how do I want to say this? Nobody wants to make a mistake, right? And I, and I feel yeah. like, a lot more people and players in the game are are not willing to make that mistake until they are for sure the outcome. Like, I don't really know the – I have the outcome yeah. in my head, but do I know that that is exactly what's going to happen? No. Sure. Um, right. But I, I think that's what that's what's kind of happened to our game now and why we're going to games where it's 2-1 games, 1-1 uh, yeah, games. Yeah, but, you know – as as a front player, I think that's a that's a bad mindset for people to get into. And so, for me, if I'm 100% honest, you're probably one of the top five players that I would want to play in front of me. Uh, and I mean that really? because every everybody 100%, dude. I mean, if you remember back, uh, you know, when I was on the Ironman, I was trying everything I could to get you on the team. And <laughs> I, I was that I, close, man. I was I, that I, close. I genuinely, I genuinely wanted to play behind you because. Um, you know, there's different, you can't have five of the same players on a team mm-hmm. to, to win. That's just not how the game goes. You need players that create opportunities for other players. And you absolutely do that. You create that space. I like to call it a creative space when I'm teaching my clinics. I uh, explain to front players that the further down the field they get their twos and their threes now have all of that, that space behind their front player that I do call creative space because the opponent's guns are now shifted to the front player. They have to be. Otherwise, if they're too focused on their back players, then the front player can shoot them. They have to apply their pressure to that front player. So Mm -hmm. it frees up a lot of real estate on the field, and it allows a good two or three to kind of move around methodically, find a good shot, get himself into a good position to then help his front player even more and get some kills so yeah no joke yeah you're in that in that in that top five always have been because of that hyper aggressive style and you're right it doesn't always work but if i was behind you and uh, it didn't work i'd be okay with it because that's when now i'm slipped into the 35 40 yard line bunker that after you just went and made a move and hopefully i'm shooting people in the loaders you know or in the backs as they're shooting you um so you know, I don't want people to think that that style is is not intelligent or not smart. It's it's a little reckless for sure, but you have to have that. You have to have that mentality, and it's a very rare mentality for players to have. A lot of players are very used to playing over overly conservative, which sometimes I'm criticized for, and I, I do understand. I, I play a much more methodical game sometimes, but it doesn't always work, and it definitely wouldn't work if I don't have a player like you in front of me. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. You yeah. know, there's pros and my cons style to each only, playing style. Hundred percent. My style only works if I have a player like you in front of me. You yeah. know, a, a fast player that gets down the field and creates space. Um, that's why you know Alex Goldman and I always played so well together. Yeah, is because we we would complement each other's styles very well. You need that. You need that. It, how funny is it though that it's it's such a balance? And to me, my my whole thing with life is everything is kind of a balance. It's it, all the answers are usually somewhere in the middle or a little bit of both. Yeah. <laughs> And, and like, that's exactly how it is in, in paintball, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I think, um, you know, and maybe that's, maybe that's what it's been, uh, why, you know, I haven't really been too successful with some of the teams that I've been on because my playing style is maybe so far out there and I get, it, we haven't found that balance where, you know, it's a quick follow up with a quick move, 
you know, because I feel like those moves that I make and those positions I make, I call them loader clippers. And when I get yeah. when I get into <clears throat> those positions, that I feel like that allows the guy behind me to get in a position to clip loaders. Loader clippers. Loader Dude, clippers. you're 100 right. Did you read my book, Paintball IQ? That's in there. I, I need. I want a hard <laughs> copy. I want a hard <laughs> copy. Dude, hard copies are coming. I'm I'm getting them done. I'm getting them, which is another awesome thing, actually. Um, the owner of BKI, Anthony uh, Vital Vitali, sorry. Um, <laughs> He's just the man, dude. He's such a pioneer. I love the guy. But we were talking, and uh, I think he's going to help me get it into a hard copy, which is cool. So if I do, yeah. I'll send you one. Send you one. Absolutely, dude. I will it. push you it. You probably know everything that's in there. I will fucking there, read it. Send you one for fun. <laughs> I will read it. I need to, I need to, you know, sharpen my edges anyway. So I'll read okay. it for sure. Right. No, I thought about it. I was like, there, there are not too many books out there on, you know, kind of what we do and how to do it well. There's, and I think, uh, I think yours. There's, there's none. There's yeah. none. There's no. There's no books that teach paintball. Um, I'm proud to say it was definitely the first. Actually, one of the coolest things that I've had happen was um, in. Oh shoot, dude! It was either Atlantic City or Chicago. We played the Outlaws, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a close game. Actually, they they played us really well. After the game, we we did beat them. After the game, I just want to throw it in to make sure we won because they did beat <laughs> us. They beat us. They beat us once this last year. Yeah. Um. Again, forget the term. Whatever. But. As we were shaking hands, Ben Challenger, uh, he shook my hand. He said, "Hey, Marcelo, I just have to, I just have to tell you, I read your book, Paintball IQ, and that's a huge reason that I'm here on the pro stage." And I was just mind blown. Like that's like one of the coolest things to hear and see as someone who puts out some content like that. Like, like whoa, that's. Uh, and then you signed the copy worked. of his book in in line while you guys were shaking hands. He didn't have it on him. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I got mad love for that kid. I mean, That's I, awesome, that was the dude. first I always knew like of him, um, heard of him. Obviously he was in the league, so I wanted to kind of study him and stuff, but uh for him to say that was just like to take a step back, I was like, Wow, that's that's really uh it's cool to be able to do something like that. It's cool to be able to have because that's the goal of the book. That's the goal of, of the product, that's the goal of teaching, is we yeah. want it to work, right? That's the yeah. goal. So to see it um, and obviously, dude, it's he's all because of his own hard work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's playing with San Diego Aftermath now. So he's been uh, in town every time they have Aftermath practices, and the kid is at the field all the time. He's hitting me up Monday to Friday. Let's go do drills. I'm at the field. Let's go do drills. I'm at the field. Let's go do drills. I'm at the field. I'm like, dude, I got to rest. My knees hurt. <laughs> I, got, I got more shit to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. But, you know, uh, his hard work is is definitely, you know, the reason he's there. But it was cool that he showed appreciation for, for a little bit of content that he read. Yeah. So uh, th- that's kind of a weird area is like, you know, the shaking hands after um, afterwards, you know, because, you, you know, usually guys who lost a game, they're all like, you know, looking down at the ground or all pissed off and smacking your hand or whatever. And whenever I go through those, I'm always, I'm always congratulating the other team because I, we were outplayed, you know, I always look at it like that way because that kind of puts that game to rest. Right. I mean, I, I'm never bitter about a game or anything. I, I know we had a pretty close game this past year after shock. And I forget, I don't know if it was, I don't think it was world cup, but it might've been the one before, but the one where Chicago, was it Chicago? Chicago uh, with with the diamond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a was, fun game, sure. dude. It was Chicago. That was a super fun game. That was a really. Were fun you getting game. frustrated? Actually, Nick Sloviak, I, I Nick Sloviak, like... and I. Was I getting frustrated during yeah. the game? 
I don't because, know. I thought I was having a pretty good game. Well, like, well I, you were in that oh, corner. No, yes, yeah. yes. I lost. The, okay, so I had two two-on-ones against you guys, and both of them right. I brought to a one-on-one, and then I lost the one-on-one to John Parrish. I, th- I think that's who it was. Uh, I think so. Maybe. Yeah, he beat he beat me in two one-on-ones, which um, one-on-ones are like, in my opinion, they're my thing. I, I I feel pretty confident in them, and he just he beat me both times, and I was just like, whoa. Dude, this kid, and yes, I was getting a little frustrated, but it was also a good, um, a good. Sometimes you need you need that you need a little reality check. Like, dude, there's kids out here that are hungrier than you. Yeah, they they want to be better than you. They might be better than you already. Like, you gotta keep working, man. You can't you can't get you can't get complacent. But yes, I'm pretty sure it was Chicago. That game was fun. Yeah, I remember that game because I remember I remember I caught you one time. You were in the corner. And I had dove into the diamond. Oh, here we go. And I, here we go. And I, well, it was the, it was the two on four. It was the two on four with me okay. and Rob. And then I went from okay. the diamond. I I got into the diamond. You were in the corner. I came on the inside, shot you in the corner, and then I jumped over into the uh, W. And then I shot remember Kyle. exactly. I remember exactly that point. Again, look, dude, that was a creative point from you. <clears throat> you slipped into the diamond really fast and shot me. And coming inside of that W was. Something that I tell you not to do in my book, <laughs> right? But but you went read, and did it, do the work, book. Which, don't yeah, don't is, follow me. Which is no see, and that's a funny thing too. And actually, when I'm in person with people, you can always explain this. But nothing in paintball is in absolutes. Mm-hmm. Am I right? There's, yeah. there's no oh, yeah. absolutes. Um, you can have what's correct most of the time, but there's just so many variables that are constantly changing that you cannot say that one way is always right. Yeah. And sometimes as players. Um, Actually, I read a very interesting book. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. No, not yet, but I've read all of his other books. Um, read Blink then. It's one of my favorite books ever. And it's about the the subconscious mind and how um, humans, the longer we think about decisions, more times than not, we end up making the wrong decision because we put too much time into it, which allows emotion and uh, outside factors to come into play that actually have nothing to do with the logic. That whole instinct, if you will, that that gut feeling that we talk about, um, whether it's about a person or a thing, is actually your brain working very efficiently and extremely fast to process all the information that it has up until that point about every single thing to do with that scenario. And it makes on the fly the best, most accurate decision. Hmm. Now, again, that's also not an absolute and it explains it in the book, but there's a lot of controlled studies that they did to prove this, this theory. Yeah. Uh, and you know, same thing in paintball, you know, sometimes you find like you think of something and it's like, I got to do this. You just got to go and do it. And sometimes it works. And that's your brain actually dissecting. Maybe it's, it's seen a little bit of that situation before and it understands, you know, you're in the diamond on the 50 yard line. I'm in the, the snake corner and the traditional thing is to play the tape, shoot the guy in front of you and then rap on me. But for some reason you've played Marcelo, you've played me, you know, Oh man, we played a lot over the years. You say 150 <laughs> yeah. times, Fuck. you know that I'm going to be waiting for that shot. Mm-hmm. And so instead, you come in inside, and it works for you because you you trust yourself. But if you sit there and you question it and you you know you overthink it, the opportunity's gone. So for me, that's why instincts in paintball and, and um, playing playing without hesitation is such an important thing. And I do find like when I play my worst games, it's because I'm trying to overanalyze things. I play my best when I'm just kind of having fun and, and, and just going with whatever the game brings to me. And my mind is, 
Yeah, it's flowing. It's flow state, exactly, yep. which is a thing that best athletes, they get into flow state. Well, every athlete does, but the athletes that really allow themselves to live in that moment, in that flow state moment, they succeed the most because your brain's making the right decisions. It's not You're not just winging it, yeah. per se. You know what I mean? Your brain's making very strategic, logical decisions. You just think that it's winging it because you haven't allowed your emotions to think about it. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. So yeah, uh, that, that, that's yeah. I, I love it. I love it too because I think that's where the 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 base of the run through comes from, right? Paintball is all about angles and all about you know you want the best angle on this guy, best angle on this guy. But a guy that can play the tape, but then use the inside or even up the middle and be able to use that, it's almost like you shoot a couple guys in and then you see this gap open. It's like a running back looking for, for sure. that hole and it just and it just appears. And you either make that decision or you second guess yourself and, and, it, and it's gone. And it's just – I mean I, I've gone back and, and watched a couple where I'm like, what the, what the fuck was I thinking? Oh, yeah, that's right. I, I thought I saw something and then I didn't and I thought I did and then, and then I get shot. But others where it's just like you see it and you see guys' guns turn and everything just right at the right time. And oh. everybody asks me, it's like, well, you know, when, you, when is the right time to go? It's like, well, the right time is to go when you think it's the right time to go. And you just can't teach it. You just and it's and it's a very very. Don't get discouraged. You know, everybody listening out there, don't get discouraged yeah. because it's not going to happen overnight, and it's not going to happen uh, two, three in a year. It's not going to happen. You're not going to perfect that. I don't think anybody ever yeah. does. But all yeah. you do is get better each and every time. But you have to do it, and don't don't think that you can't just because you got shot the first two times. You might have to maybe approach it a different way, but it's always going to be there. Dude, a hundred percent. And that's in my book. Just touch on that a little bit, (laughs) dude. You need a book. Let's go. You got the podcast. You're making content. Get something up. This is something I'm preaching to everybody, man. Is as pro players, it's on us. We need to create content. We need to create content and excitement for our sport. What we do is amazing. Paintball has given me more opportunity than anything that has ever come into my life, and it's allowed us to do some awesome stuff. Travel the world, create relationships with people that you'll. You'll you'll never lose these relationships with mm-hmm. experience things that you can't pay for, you know. Yeah. No matter how much money you have, we've gotten to experience things that nobody else can buy. Um, the the friendships that I've made through it, that you've made through it, it's just too awesome, too amazing. It's done so much good for me that I know that my fellow professional players also feel the same way. And we need people to see that because if people see it and understand it more, they're gonna want to they're gonna want to do it. And we need yeah. more people playing. We need more young kids that are hungry to come and take mine in your spot. That's what we need. I don't see enough of it these days, to be honest. I wish Mm -hmm. there was more. Um, Maybe it's because we haven't provided the right platforms. And, you know, I'm not just trying to plug, but that's why the combine was so refreshing is like you realize, oh, maybe these players are out there. They just need a platform to go and showcase themselves at because I saw some good talent. I've met some at my clinics. I've met some kids that really have potential. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we just need to keep, putting this content out and connecting with with the fans new players friends whatever you want to call them mm-hmm. we need to continue to push this so right speaking uh speaking <laughs> of content um what uh what is it that drives you as far as the social media goes i mean are, are you are you doing this because you love doing it or are you doing it because you feel like you have this uh you have this ability and this reach and 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 you have this uh, this audience to give something to. I mean, it's a little bit of both, man. You know, like honestly, uh, I 
if it weren't for if money wasn't involved, right? If I was an NBA player, mm-hmm. I would probably take Kobe's path. <laughs> Just the silent killer, show up, do my thing, and that would be it. But mm-hmm. this isn't, you know, and and paintball to me, I'm an athlete in the sport, which is, you know, uh, one of my main focuses. Yeah. But beyond that, I'm an ambassador of the sport, and I want people to see our sport. I want people to understand it. I want to help the sport grow. So for me, it's a lot of me feeling like it's part of my responsibility as a professional to give back to a sport that's given me everything that it has. Yeah. Um, of course, there's, there's, you know, I get a lot of messages, dude, from from people that are like, man, I really needed to hear this today. This really made my day better. And for me, that's like, wow, dude, that's super awesome. But I know for every person that sends me one of those messages, there's also the people that are, oh, Marcel is so annoying. I don't want to hear another post from him. Uh, this is stupid, this and that. And, you know, it's funny because I, I even get it when I go to clinics and stuff. I, I got one yeah. this last weekend. So I'm like, dude, I thought you were just going to be a, a total California douchebag, you know, but you turned out to be like one of the coolest dudes that I know. And, yeah. and shout out shout out to them. When he when he, when he he hears this, he's going to know. He's, uh, he's at the Boston Combine. Greg Sewers. But I get that a lot. Yeah, Greg Sewers. <laughs> Greg Sewers. <laughs> um, no, man, but I get it a lot. But you know what? I don't care because, like I said, the messages that I do get of people that it truly – there's people that truly – look at my stuff and it makes them feel better or it makes them uh more inspired or it makes them motivated and to me that's that's huge and then more so than that like i touched on before is it's it's something that people that don't understand our sport can come and watch it's Mm -hmm. it's uh they can see my content and they can learn about our game they can learn about what it is that we do through my social media outlets so It's a mix of all of it dude trust me there's days where i'm posting something i'm like dude i I don't want to post but you know i i I feel the responsibility to because I have people that 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 care. I mean, you know, it does need to go both ways. I care. I care about, you know, the people that follow what we do yeah. because they make it possible. Without them, what do we what do we do? Honestly, yeah. professional paintball, if you think about it, professional paintball in the current state that it's in, um, as far as, you know, uh, air balloon bunkers and X ball type matches, that could honestly go away almost at any moment it seems like it could be pretty fragile but it also seems like it could just completely blossom at any moment so Mm -hmm. that responsibility is on us as pros and i do think we have the most unified uh group of professionals that we've ever had as far as seeing the vision and and having a bunch of different players from pro teams going in that direction i mean look at it you with your podcast you've got alex gray with his podcast um you have the whole BKI team, which is doing their thing. If you go through social media, there's people from different teams that are that are stepping up to the plate. You look at Russian Legion; their Instagram is really active. Mm-hmm. Their social media is really active. They connect with their fans, and the reason that's important, um, I can kind of connect it to the same reason I, I actually am now a fan of the NXL expanding to 20 teams. The closer you can relate to people, the more likely they're going to want to do what you're doing. So. Say, let's take New York Extreme, for example. There's now a professional team in New York. That team is going to go to the events. They're going to compete. They're going to be on the webcast. People from New York that play paintball are going to watch. People from their local field are going to watch and, and root for their boys, I hope. you know, I mean, I would mm-hmm. imagine. And that's going to create those players from that local field to be much more motivated to try to get into that program. 
and work their way up the ranks and then become a professional. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with social media, in my opinion. You know, players can look at at like Ryan's Instagram, Ryan Greenspan, and they could see like, wow, dude, this is amazing. This guy has made a living out of this. He gets to travel the world. He does cool things. He's someone I'm inspired by. He's my idol, even, yeah. you know? And uh, that inspires them to, okay, I want to go out this weekend. I want to do drills on Saturday. I'm going to scrimmage on Sunday. I'm going to take this serious because one day I want to be that. But if we don't have uh, that, if we don't have something that people can aspire to be, pro paintball can just go away. But if we have a ton of the pros that are inspiring a ton of kids in their area, pro paintball is going to flourish. There's going to be more tournament or more teams competing in the tournaments. There's going to mm. be more players fighting for a pro spot. So for me, that's why it's important. And, you know, sorry to kind of, I, I ran on with that question, but no, it's, uh, it's a good one and it's valuable to me. And it's, uh, you know. Um, so you think it's a good yeah. thing that we're, we're, that we're expanding to 20 teams? Yeah, I do. And I originally thought it wasn't. Um, I, my original take on it was. You and Ryan kind of, kind of have different opinions on this, don't you? I was kind of watching the BKI uh, live thing that you guys were running, and he kind of had a different take on on this whole adding four teams being the answer, I guess. Um, well, I don't think it's an answer. Uh, I don't. I don't know if it's the answer, you know. But did he have a different take? I, I thought he was kind of on board. Where Where was he with it? I don't, I don't know. know. I forget. I only watched a couple seconds of it. Okay, now. maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe he wasn't. But I, I thought. Um, I thought it was someone else that wasn't quite on board. However, Ryan might have just been disagreeing to disagree with me because he likes to do that often, <laughs> <laughs> whether he agrees or not. He yeah. just likes to debate. He likes to debate. Um, but, you know, maybe he does have a different take, but let me kind of walk you through the process of, of what brought me to this conclusion. And mm -hmm. it's that, you know, originally I thought, okay, so it, it waters down the division. Um, there's definitely going to be teams that get blown out. It's going to happen which sucks. Um, another thing is it's kind of a bummer when there's pro teams that are still paying their own way because, you know, say, say those players are at the airport, they're on a plane, they're on their way to an NXL event and they start talking to somebody or they're at their local field and they're talking to somebody and the players at the local field or the random person at the airport ask them, you know, pro paintball, that's what you do. Like, wow. Uh, do you make any money doing it? Uh, what's the opportunity there? Blah, blah, blah. And so, well, actually, I, I got to pay for this <laughs> to mm -hmm. go do it. Well, then it's not as inspiring to become a professional. That was my original take on it. And and you could argue that side. I think it's a, I think it's a valid point. But the other side that actually Nick Sloviak uh, had brought to my attention, and a few other people have, have mentioned this, and I, I, I tend to lean more towards that side. And again, dude, the answer is always somewhere in the middle, but I do think it, it kind of tilts a little bit on, on this side. That excitement that it's going to bring in those areas, I think is more important than the other side. I think that creating more excitement uh, within our sport, you know, and not being worried about maybe what an outside perspective thinks of a professional paintball player and creating these different uh, markets, I guess, if you will, mm -hmm. you know, statistically, I guess, I mean, I don't own a, a paintball company or anything like that, but from what I hear from, you know, some of the different owners is when there's more professional teams, markets in that area, all the way down to the paintball stores, paint, so everything does better. So when I hear that, and then I put the logic of, yeah, I know that me growing up, if I didn't have all the pro teams around me, I might not have been as excited to turn pro and I might not have done all the work that I did to turn pro. Yeah. I might have chose something else. Um, so when I put those logics together, I, I, I think it's going to be a good thing. And to be honest, I mean, there, 
they're going to they're going to figure it out. It might take a couple seasons, but if they understand that it's going to be a process these new teams and they understand that it's going to take some time for them to get good and and compete, then I think it could be beneficial in the long run. But what would be horrible is if they play a season with high expectations and they get beat down and then they just fall out. Like that's that's unfortunate, that's a bummer. You know, we mm-hmm. don't need that. So what's uh what's the professional paintball player of today's incentive on being on a professional team? Um, in my opinion, it's the idea that you need to be more than a player. Uh, if you become a professional player and you build your brand and you, uh, you have to be really good, you have to compete well, cause that's the first way people are going to fall in love with you. But once you do that, you can market yourself really well and you can self promoting, but you can take that into so many different directions, whether it's writing a book, starting your own clothing company, starting your own paintball company, whatever it is, there's opportunities from becoming a professional paintball player. Um, you just have to have a business mind. You have to learn how to market yourself. You have to learn how to promote yourself. And then most importantly, you have to learn how to monetize yourself. That's what professional paintball is right now. Hopefully, you know, the goal is we get enough sponsorship one day, or maybe the webcast starts to do well enough to where money gets funneled back to the pros and pros can only play for a living. That would be great. If pros could only play for a living, that's the goal. But right now, uh, even some of the highest paid pros on teams like impact and heat that have owners that are able to write checks, they're still, you know, they're making decent money, but it's not, it's not enough to support a big family and live, you know, a very glamorous lifestyle. You could be very happy and content with what you're doing. Mm -hmm. But really what you got to do as a professional is monetize yourself in many different aspects, uh, whether it's teaching or, again, like I said, your own clothing brand or your own whatever it might be. Maybe you want to make barrels. Maybe you want to start a league. You can do that by becoming a good professional paintball player. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the only that's the only tough thing right now that that kind of has me. Maybe I'm old and bitter, but um, but I, I think that's the only thing right now that's holding professional paintball back at least from from being as diverse as it could be um is you know there are teams that are more well-funded than others you know i've i've made this claim before um but i feel like until until enough people with money get into the sport and they start putting full-size indoors on the east coast and the midwest and you know and and we start getting more pro teams that have the funding and the and the ability to play in the off season year round um in during the season year round and against that kind of competition. I mean, I think that's why DMG is so damn good is they play impact all the time, you know? So, sure. so it's like you have to have, I mean, obviously you guys can play year round and, you know, teams in Texas can play year year right. round and that, you know, I'm not trying and I'm not really, I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying how it is, you know, it is tough yeah. on the East coast and, and, and the Midwest. Yeah. Um, and, and I think until, I don't know if it's necessarily going to be outside money or if it's going to be more team owners like Bart and uh, and Sarge and, and everybody else to where everybody could make 30 grand and can be 25 years old or whatever, not have any kids or and, and, and run a decent life, but play professional paintball and focus on that and not have to promote themselves or to all, you know, all they have to do is show up, play with the team because the whole team is there, play with everybody, do your job and and go compete but i just don't i think until we get there it's there's going to be no consistency on 
the lower end teams. And I and like take a take aftershock for instance. Like a lot of people said we didn't really do well this year. I'd say there were three good times where we lost three overtime matches that could have put us on a Sunday. And you know as well as anybody that you could squeak into Sunday and win the fucking tournament. Hundred percent. Dude, it's a game inches. You always go back and it's one point here oh, or there. Exactly. So yeah. so I mean those three games that could have changed, you know, if we would have won those three games and at least made Sunday, we could have had a great year. But just those right. three points. So, right. Uh, right. you know, but we're not consistent. And that's the thing. We're not consistent because I, I, I think there are, I think there's many factors. But I think one of them is because we don't have the facilities or the resources that some other teams do. And it's it's not, For sure. you know, it's I swear to God it's not um, I, because I want to see everybody on the same level. Um Ability wise, like practice facility wise, but I know it's not possible yet. But that's where I definitely I want to see this being spread to the masses, paintball in general, um, and, and and be hooked to this tournament side. And I think that is the answer we need to look for. Um, it, and I, and I don't know. I got if some it's, answers for you there. Well, I don't know if it's going to be through the webcast, through paying for the webcast. Everybody wants to grow the sport, but are we going to grow the sport? selling the webcast to guys who are already invested in the game or, or women or whoever invested in the game. We need to figure out that reach to the masses for free in some way. I don't think it's going to be TV. I think TV's kind of on a seesaw. Facebook, think, YouTube, that yeah. kind of stuff, live streaming. So I yeah. think we could definitely do some stuff like that. But, dude, I think the webcast would be very, very powerful. This is something I could talk about for a long time because I'm – most passionate about this unfortunately i'm not as connected with you know richmond and the nxl mm-hmm. um and the go sports crew as i was with paintball access yeah um but i think the webcast is a huge huge opportunity uh and you just go back to numbers man paintball access the 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 structure that they had and the formula that they were using the webcast was on a steady increase um from world cup to dallas Every year that they had the webcast from 2012 to 2013-2014, uh, World Cup had massive numbers and then Dallas was a big drop. Mm-hmm. Well, in 2014, World Cup had the biggest numbers that they had ever had and then 2015 in Dallas was even bigger numbers. And they were finally not only in the green but starting to make some money. And it was showing the trend was that more and more people were watching the webcast. People were buying the pay-per-view product and yeah. the the – the league was starting to make money off of it. I forget the exact numbers, but you know it was about eighty grand to run the pro field, which was, uh, you know, that included everything though, because they did a really high end job with stats. The webcast was really good. It was also um, just you know traditional two teams rather than the split deck, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is very important. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but for me, what getting rid of split deck? Hundred percent. Split deck has got to go. It's the <laughs> gotta, worst. Gotta thing. go. And I think we need it's to go to limited go. paint. I, I really think we need to go to limited paint. I really, really Maybe. do. All all of that is to me to me all that kind of stuff. You might be right because I, I played in Europe for a couple seasons with limited paint, and you know it wasn't that different. Like you still get the really low. You you get the really uh, long games um, because people run out of paint early, and then they're scared to make moves. So. It goes both ways with limited paint, but right. for me, the show is what's important because you need people that are going to pay for your product, right? Mm-hmm. And so the show is very important. If the webcast can start making money and it's getting more viewers, it's a win-win-win all the way around. Because if the webcast is not only if it's not only self-sufficient, but say it makes twenty thousand dollars the first year, okay, well, hey, guess what? That twenty thousand dollars can then go towards prize packages for the pros. 
it's not hard to track how many people follow or watch each game. That's easy. They have the statistics on, okay, when Aftershock plays Dynasty, you know, 10,000 people watch. When uh, Impact plays Houston Heat, 30,000 people watch. Like, mm-hmm. they have the stats on that. So you can do you can do it many different ways. You can distribute the XX, excess cash to the teams based on, you know, some sort of pyramid scale or – um, you know, you can make the prize package bigger, which I mean, come on, dude, let's be honest. People tune into ESPN to watch poker, in my opinion. And what many people would agree with is the reason being is because they're playing for millions of dollars. Yeah. They're playing for so much money. It's like, dude, oh my God, that dude is playing a $800,000 hand and he's all in suspense. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's suspense. Exactly. So I know, you know, being in the green by five or $10,000 isn't much, but it was on an upward trend. So that formula was working, which shows that there's people that are willing to pay for the webcast and there are people that are interested in it. Um, so that tells me that we have to create a good product. We have to create a product that is very digestible to the players and more importantly, to people that don't understand paintball. It's impossible to do that with split deck. It's impossible because. But how do you do that if you're charging though? I mean, is the is the uninformed viewer hey, going? To, what? Well, is the uninformed viewer of paintball? How do they discover the webcast, and then how do you go about convincing them to pay for it? Well, I don't think you're gonna get a uh, someone who just knows nothing about paintball, doesn't have an affiliate, uh, he's not affiliated with a, a family member or something. They're not gonna buy it. So that's why you give free content as well. You have to have free content. So I always go back to uh, UFC which is a great platform. Mm-hmm. Um, the Ronda Rousey-Betch Correa fight, this was years ago. I didn't know who Ronda Rousey was. I had just heard of her a few times. I'd never watched her fight. Yeah. Um, I used to be big into the UFC. But I, I mean, I'm sorry. I didn't want to watch girls fight. I just didn't think it would be optimal. I didn't think it would be the, the best. And I'm sorry for the ladies out there. I, I got proven wrong, <laughs> first of all. you know. <laughs> yeah. But um, I just wasn't that interested. Because what I've learned over the years in, in sports and – and uh, movies even, anything, is you follow personalities. You know, that's what you're interested in. In movies, there's certain actors that no matter what movie they're in, I'll watch. Denzel Washington, whatever movie he's in, I'm gonna watch. Mm-hmm. Not because of the movie or the director or the what it's about, but because of Denzel Washington, right. because of that character. Um, basketball, football, it's all the same. I have teams that I like, but it's because of the players. I have players that I will tune in and I will watch every single game that Russell Westbrook is playing that I can watch. I'll watch it yeah. because he's my favorite player or Kobe before he retired. I watched every game. But if I watch two basketball teams that don't have players that I'm interested on, I can't sit through a game and watch it. I'm not interested. I'm interested in the personality. I'm interested in the stats. I'm interested if uh, Russell Westbrook is going to get another triple double. That's the kind of stuff I'm interested in. So why is paintball any different? Bring it back to the Betch Correa Ronda Rousey fight. I uh, never heard of either one of them, but the buildup, all the free content, all the commercials, it was Betch Correa talking mad shit to Ronda Rousey. I mean, it was vicious, the stuff she was saying. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, I was hooked. I was literally, I couldn't wait to spend $100 for that fight. Yeah. I couldn't wait, you know? Then the fight came. It lasted 16 seconds. Ronda Rousey knocked her out right away, and I was stoked. I loved it. I was so stoked. I, I was $100 best spent Yeah, because I was so into the buildup. So I think that's what we need. I think we need uh, to tell us a story that is absolutely free, but I think the main product, you charge for that. That's the product. Yeah, so yeah. All the, all, so 
the buildup between the events is super important. The stories between events is super important. The drama. Impact has beat Dynasty three out of the last five times they've played. Mm-hmm. Alex Goldman and Marcelo Margot grew up playing together. J-Rab is from the same area as Marcelo. We grew up playing together. Ryan Greenspan is like the, you know, apparently the GOAT right now, but he's not able to overcome impact. He doesn't age. All of this. Oh, he doesn't age. He doesn't age at all. <laughs> he gets younger. All of this stuff is really important information that we're not getting out there. If you're, right. if you subscribe to Go Sports right now, you get all of this behind the, the paywall. In my opinion, that content should be free. And you should charge us a, a, a pay-per-view thing for the event. But that's just yeah. my opinion. They see it differently, you know. Uh, I just I don't agree with how they're doing it. The games are extremely hard to follow. Uh, you you have you have four teams playing at once, right? Um, when you're watching it live, it's awesome. But when you're watching on the webcast, the show, which is where we're talking, we need it to be the best. It is so difficult. Yeah. If I'm watching Dynasty and Impact play, and then the next game is Infamous and um, Katana, you're watching this very intense game that, and it could be either team. It could be Katana and Infamous, or it could be Dynasty and Impact. One, one could, could be have the momentum, but the other it, one could be, yeah, just yeah. scale. And, and so you lose the momentum, but most importantly, the story is not able to be told. And that's what's important to me. You go back to the Super Bowl last year. I don't know who here are football fans, but go back to the Super Bowl last year when Edelman made that catch. Oh, yeah. Everybody knows the famous Edelman catch because even if you didn't watch the Super Bowl, you saw the catch. Mm -hmm. When it happened in real time, for me, it wasn't that special. I was like, oh, good catch. When they slowed it down and replayed it in slow motion, you go, oh, my God, that's why he's one of the best. Look at that concentration. Look at that skill. Like That was insane when they slowed it down. Paintball is no different. It's already hard to follow and understand because we don't have one focal point. We have many things going against us. So for me, a two-minute break in between each point is the number one way, it's the only way, that someone like Matty Marshall, who's the best storyteller of paintball in all time, and Todd Martinez, who's also very animated and very knowledgeable, can go back and they could do replays of maybe a slow-motion shot of, of Carl Markowski coming out of the snake, putting his corner in, shooting him, and then running down and bunkering two guys while Maddie's explaining what's going on in your head as that move's being made. Yeah. Then as a viewer, you're sitting there watching it going, oh my God, that was so sweet. Yep. Look at that slow motion, that ball, leaving the barrel, hitting that person. You don't realize when you're watching the fast-paced webcast a good shot. You don't realize it. You just see maybe a ball explode and that's it. It's all but like, if you it's watch, all like that. If you, yeah, if you watch <laughs> a player take a snapshot, and then you watch his ball go and travel to the other player who's playing as tight as possible, and you watch it hit him and explode off him, dude, as a viewer, whether you watch paintball or not, you're going to be like, oh, my God, that was sick. Yep. Like, if you don't know paintball, you're going to understand at that moment, wow, that's why he's good. Okay, this really does take skill. This really is a sport. And then you're also going to understand the flow of the game because there's a story being told within the story. There's Maddie Marshall and Todd have two minutes to to animate what's going on and prep you mm-hmm. for the next point and and break down everything that happened in the last point. So for me, that's why the webcast was doing so well is because people were very interested in watching yeah. it. I loved watching the games. Split deck ruins that. You can't do it with split deck. And I totally understand saving cost as a league and you want to put four teams on one field to save time so you can pay less reps and all that stuff. I get that. However, 
I personally think a way around that is you just put other teams on other fields. Um, and, yeah. you know, pro, pro teams might complain about it. But look, here's how you go about that. How many views does your team get? Are you in category A or B? People in category A, they're the people that have, you know, they're the teams that have the most views. Category B, you're the teams that get the least amount of views. Mm -hmm. So the teams that get the least amount of views, we have four prelim games. Maybe they only get two prelim games on the pro field and then two are on another field. I'm sorry, but that's how it goes. NFL, they have, you know, their premier games. NBA, they have their premier games on ESPN that they put on because that's the most watched. That's the most viewed. That's what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to grow our professional sport. We need to grow the webcast. The show needs to be really good. The show needs to be quality content. And I would hope that the pro teams would understand that. I would hope that the pro teams wouldn't complain and say, well, I'm not going to play in the pro division because I'm not on the webcast four times out of my four prelim games. Right. You know, I, I just think that we are doing it wrong in that sense. Um, and I really wish that there was a way to correct that because I think it's very important. And I do understand what you're saying with the free content. That avenue could work as well. But I do believe that this avenue could work very efficiently mm -hmm. and we can work and grow from within the industry and get more and more people uh, paying for the webcast. And then if our numbers are better, then we could also get outside sponsorship dollars, which is something that we always talk about. Yeah. Well, so we need to find we need to find that because I think the biggest thing now for these fields is uh, is overhead, right? So we need to figure out a way to shave off that overhead to make the field more affordable, uh, as far as cost goes to the webcast. So if if you know if we need to shave if we need to shave off overhead on, you know, because what what are they saying that it costs to run the pro field? What do they say thirty uh, grand? See, I, don't, I don't I don't know what the NXL that number does sound remotely familiar but, but something like that so like just imagine what we could do if you know if we were to take it you know down from split deck and and, and have one team on there and be able to you know i guess that's the tough part with the two fields because now you got to hire a whole another set of refs and and a, so but this is all conversation that needs to happen at world cup of last you know of last year and and maybe they did i don't i don't know i'm not in the meeting so but maybe they did but this is all stuff that needs to happen because we are on the forefront of what paintball could be and if it's going to go somewhere it's going to go somewhere i believe soon i believe with with the internet with everything that's happening with the popularity of of um live streaming um it, it's going to happen sure. somewhere it's going to happen soon and we need to make this thing that is professional paintball uh, the tournament style uh, pitchable. We, we we have to make it pitchable. Otherwise, we are just going to continue to roller coaster through the economy and through, uh, you know, whatever rich guys are in the sport and want to stay in or want to leave or, or whatever. Yeah. So we have to so, jump so, sometime. Oh, I agree. So, so real quick to touch on that, though. Yes, we would have to pay for another field. Um, takes money to make money. And that's right. that's one thing that, you know, a lot of people disagreed with a lot of stuff that Dave Youngblood, Youngblood did, but um, as far as the league goes. But, dude, in my opinion, he, he really cared about the sport, and he understood what it took to bring the best product. And I thought he did a very good job of, of putting paintball first yeah. as far as making sure there was a really quality product. I'm not saying they're not doing that now. I see a lot of good things with the NXL. 
The NXL is doing a lot of really awesome stuff that I'm excited about. Events are fun. They, oh, yeah. When you're there, the atmosphere is really good. I'm, I'm, so I'm not hating on any of that. No. And, uh, and, and, and at Ghost Sports, they're also doing a really good job. Cena and Matt Ingles with my fan wagon and the stats that they have tried to bring us. They're doing the best that they can. I get that. But I just think the vision's a little bit in the wrong direction. And to go back with that, so yes, you got to pay for another field, another refs, this and that. But if the show is better, you have way more of a chance of getting somebody like uh, Cliff Bar or one of these GoPro, you name it, like, yeah. GoPro, yeah. something. But if if they watch what we have now, if we send like a, a sponsor deck to one of these companies and then they watch the webcast, they're gonna go, huh? Mm-hmm. I don't want, I don't want, no, I don't, yeah. I don't care. And then they might say, they might say if if it's strictly business, they might say, well, what are your numbers? But the numbers aren't better than they have been in the past, you know. So they're good; they are good, but they're not as good as they could be. Right. So that's why I think you focus organically on growing the what make make it a really good digestible product. Yeah. Make it something that that outside people, which again, if you were to have shots in between points of a slow motion uh, elimination or something like that. People that don't even know paintball would think that's sweet. Like I've put up videos on my Instagram of me just throwing a paintball in the air in slow motion and shooting it out of the air. And like people that don't know paintball are like, oh my God, that was so sick. Yeah. Keep it simple. So we keep it simple. We need that stuff in the webcast and then you can get outside sponsorship dollars. Then you can have money that will make up the cost for your extra field with your extra rest. Yeah. I, I think we look at it the wrong way, saying, well, if we give away for free, then we can get no build. It's like that Will Smith saying, dude, to build a wall, let's just lay one brick at a time and let's lay it as best as possible. Let's make a really good brick. Mm-hmm. Each day, just take one brick, spend all day on that one brick. Let's do the same thing with the webcast. Let's make that product really, really good. And sure, you might have to sacrifice a little bit of money for a little bit, but look, don't take over the professional paintball circuit and then not be able to supply something that was already supplied before. And I guess right. that's my biggest beef is when the NXL came in, there was a lot of promises of being, you know, better. And I guess in some ways they, they are doing things better, but the webcast and the show, in my opinion, are the most important, mm-hmm. you know, it's most important for a professional paintball player because that is ultimately what's going to get outside sponsors. That's that the public is view. Ultimately, that's the public view. So it yeah. needs to be done right. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Um, Stick around with me for just a, a little bit. Uh, I'm got to wrap up a little bit. You know the little ones. He's sick. He's okay. been sick for like a couple right. days. I gotta go. I gotta uh, go yeah. help him out. Yeah. But um, but dude, thank you so much for sitting down with me. I had a great time. I'm, I'm glad that you know you know I know there's a lot of podcasts out there, and um, I mean there there is, but there isn't. But it's really hard, especially with paintball and our content. We can only talk about so much, right? But I feel like what I enjoy and how I go about things is I love learning about the player. I love telling stories, not necessarily always paintball uh, related, but just ideas in general about everything. And, um, and that's one of the big reasons why I wanted you on because you're, you're definitely a big personality um, along with just being a great, uh, you know, spokesman for the sport itself. And you're a great friend and, and somebody that uh, I believe has a lot of knowledge in the sport. So, so thank you so much for, for sitting down and, uh, you know, bullshitting with me. Thank you, brother. Yeah, man. I uh, I enjoyed it. I've been I've been waiting for you to ask me to be on this thing for a while now. <laughs> I don't know what took you so long. But. In all due <laughs> okay. time. 
I was being all dudes. Um, I was happy to, to finally join, man, and I would love to sit down and do it again. I appreciate that you're doing this as well. So, again, like I said, we need more content. So you doing this podcast, man, it doesn't go unnoticed, and uh, I hope you just stay motivated with it because so far you've had a ton of good episodes. I've listened to most of them, not all of them, but I, I love it. I love the show, and I want to see more of it. I expect to see more of it, and uh, have me back soon, yeah? Hell yeah, man. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll have to do – maybe we'll do a mid-season, and we'll do an end-season uh, as well. Yes, sounds good. I'm all in. Sweet, man. Well, uh, everybody, I mean, everyone who's listening probably follow, follows Marcelo already, but make sure you follow him on uh, <laughs> on Instagram and uh, everything else that he has out there. Buy his book. Uh, it's a great read, I know, because I'm going to have a hard copy and I'm going to read it and tell everybody <laughs> about it. So, um, But, dude, thank you so man. much. And, um, we'll, uh, God, we'll see you here in a few weeks. Yeah, it's coming up soon. If you don't mind, dude, I would like to give just one plug back, uh, reaching back to the BKI thing with what we're doing, the whole online stuff, which is awesome. Um, You can go to BKI's website to get uh, logged in, use promo code Marcelo33. Um, But most importantly, you asked me a question earlier about how the combine was a little bit like a clinic and uh, how it really worked. And as I I was explaining, I just forgot to touch on it. the combine itself is more of a, a place to, to showcase your skill set. We are going to be doing summer camps. Uh, we're going to be doing a few different clinic-style events. We have a summer camp coming up. It's actually going to be the end of July. I think July. Uh, you know what? I had the date written down here. It's July 25th through 29th. So it'll be like a, a five-day um, five, sorry, four, four night. Yes, yeah, sleepover. It's going to be <laughs> you know the paintball camp. So it's going to be just an all-inclusive thing uh, where you come transportation is provided stays provided we're all going to be staying together you're going to have some of your your favorite BKI professors Ryan Greenspan myself Nick Sloviak we're going to have a bunch of guests and every day is going to be just all about paintball um nonstop. wake up paintball 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 uh we're going to teach you how to eat like the pros train like the pros we're going to have a lot of fitness stuff attached to this we'll do some fun things I think uh the owner has like maybe a Red Sox game or something kind of nice. fun and Nikki planned yeah yeah but uh it's just a week of of just of, of serious paintball, you know, and really teaching you how to become a professional because that was what we were missing at the combine is the chance to actually connect with players and teach them as much as we would like to. So mm-hmm. I wanted to throw that little plug in there so you guys could check it out because it's going to be coming up here in a, in a, in a little bit. And uh, we'll have more information, you know, coming to you guys soon on all of our social media outlets. So absolutely, you know, thanks for letting me give that a shout out. No problem, okay. man. Anytime. Uh, we will uh, we'll see you soon, bud. Sounds good, man. Take care. Later. Thank you so much, Marcelo, for sitting down with me and uh, and chatting about your career, about the league now, about anything and everything uh, that, that came up to mind. You know, I that kid is one of a kind, man. He he really is, and uh, and I think a big uh, a big key to that is I think martial arts. I mean, I, I've had conversations with people who. Who say that you know? Well, I think well, I'm, I'm, I'm even my father thinks this way, and my grandfather, and I think a lot of military people probably think this way is, is that everybody should do a couple years in the military, just to gain discipline and uh, and, and a few things like that. And I, I think the same thing goes with martial arts. I mean, I, I think there's uh, you know getting choked out <laughs> by a bigger, stronger person, you know, will humble you. And uh, and I think you'll learn some discipline through some uh, through some martial arts through jitsu judo. Um, I mean, throw out a martial art and uh, a real martial art, and uh, I'm 
I'm sure that if your kid goes through it, he's going to learn discipline. He's going to learn uh, respect. And, you know, I think it's a big key of, of, of why Marcelo is who he is. Um, but yeah, but thank you, Marcelo, so much. A great time, man. Can't wait to talk to you with you again. And uh, it's it's really cool seeing, uh, seeing where he's ended up. But, uh, but thank you to our sponsors, Planet Eclipse. They have, like I said, they, they've, they've come up with uh, every single year they've had better and better markers. And it's been cool to see. It's been cool to shoot all of the, uh, the interpretations of the, in- I was going to say the Intimidator because I was just watching the, uh, I was just watching a video on those. But, uh, but uh, you know, that's everybody's take on everything. I mean, that's the thing. It's like the... You know, the, the, the die markers have been done before. They're, they're a matrix. You know, the uh, the LV series, the, you know, the Mac Dev. They're, they're, all, they're all the same thing. They're all the same thing. And it's just who perfects it better. And Planet Eclipse has just, you know, put the cherry on top of, of every single one. So make sure you check them out. Uh, PlanetEclipse.com. Uh, like I said before, too, they have all kinds of soft gear and casual gear, along with the badass markers. That, uh, that you will find uh, at Planet Eclipse. And again, just like every single podcast, I want to thank all of you out there for listening. Uh, greatly, greatly appreciate it. Uh, you know, I, I can't love the support enough. You know, just just a simple click and listen is, uh, is huge for me. And because, and not only me, I think for everybody else too that I have, all the guests that I have on here because... You know, it, it's their story being heard, and it's, you know, it's not just their, you know, their paintball life, but it's their, you know, it's their their real life, how they are at home, and I, I feel like this podcast makes everybody on here seem more personable and, uh, and approachable at the events, and uh, and I'm sure their social media helps with that, but, uh, you know, I like to feel that I have, you know, I, I'm doing, I'm doing them justice by, uh, by letting them, you know, tell their own story, so... Uh, but but thank you guys so much for listening and gals for listening, um, very much appreciated. And uh, if this is your first podcast, listen for uh, you know for this one in particular. You can reach me if you have any questions, concerns, uh, guest suggestions. Uh, I am Carl underscore Markowski on Instagram and Carl Microwave Markowski on the Facebook. And uh, and yeah, if if you want to get a hold of me. Those are the two ways to get a hold of me, and uh, and go ahead and follow. And also on YouTube, Carl Markowski, like, subscribe, all that silly stuff. I know y'all know how to use YouTube, but uh, but again, thank you so much uh, for for being here with me and going through this journey. I'm hoping to get to uh, at least at least episode 100 this year. That is my goal. I'm setting it down in semi-somewhat stone because I. I don't have a stone with me, but uh, but episode 100 is going to happen this year. I plan on having a bunch of guests this year, a bunch of stories, but uh, but yeah. Thank you all so much for joining me, and we will see you here, see you guys here again soon on the Playing On podcast. Peace. <laughs>